0: And, church, we are blessed to have Dr. Craig Mitchell in our church. And uh, I am looking forward to him preaching this morning from the Word of God, First Timothy chapters 3 and 4. And I specifically asked uh, him to preach this passage uh, this morning because I need to hear. Actually, it's 2nd Timothy, but I need to hear uh, this word this morning. So please welcome Dr. Craig Mitchell. yeah okay, I always have trouble with these things, you know that, once again, it, it is so good to be here um, to be with all of you. This is a wonderful church, isn't it? You know um, this section of scripture is is, is so interesting. In so many ways, let's just read through it, and then we'll, we'll uh, go through it verse by verse. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus, who's going to judge the living and the dead, and because of his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season rebuke, correct encourage with great patience and teaching for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine but according to their own desires will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear they will turn away from hearing the truth and will turn aside the myths let's pray Oh, Lord, I just pray that you would just open your word to our hearts and our minds. And I pray that, Lord, that you would teach each one of us what you would have us to learn. And I pray that, Lord, that when we leave here, that we would go out and glorify your holy name in all that we say and in all that we do. Lord, guide us. You say, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Timothy, both 1st and 2nd Timothy, are part of what are called the pastoral epistles, along with Titus. And these are targeted, these letters are targeted to those who are going to be pastors. Now there's applications for for everybody who's, who's not a pastor, too, but it's especially to those who are called to some kind of ministry. And one of the things that you see that that, that Paul was dealing with, and Timothy as well, was, They were in a time, they lived in a time when there was a plurality of religions. When a lot of people, basically, they were born into some religion or another, and they pretty much stayed there. And when you became a Christian, your life changed pretty dramatically. In fact, in many cases, if you became a Christian, you were kicked out of your household. And you had no other home but the church. Today, in our country, we have a different situation. I was uh, reading George Barna, who does all these statistics about Christians in in America, in America in general, religion in America in general, and it's interesting, he says that 78% of Americans identify themselves as Christians. 36% 36% are practicing Christians. 57% are are church. And here's what he means by church. That they attend a church service at least once a year, at least once a year, or more, or more, for reasons besides a funeral or wedding. Yeah, that's pretty pathetic. And here's the other interesting thing. 87% of households own a Bible. At least one Bible. Many own multiple Bibles. 50% of Americans are Bible users. And, And here's what they mean by that. Well, there's at least three or four times a year or more that you read the Bible. So you have this kind of weak, generic, sort of Christian veneer over the country. But even among those who are practicing Christians... Uh, there's some pretty scary things here. It says, 33% of practicing Christians believe in some kind of karma. Meaning, if you do good, good will come back to you. If you do bad, bad will come back to you. I often wonder, where, where, where do they find that in the scripture? must be in second hesitations or something. So, here's another interesting thing. 28% of practicing Christians believe that we all pray to the same God. 27% of practicing Christians believe that meaning and purpose come from becoming one with all that is. I don't even know what that means. Another 23% of practicing Christians believe that there is no one true religion. So it all boils down to this. Only 27% of practicing Christians believe that they should share the gospel with other people. Now, when you hear those statistics, you have to conclude something's wrong with the church here. You have to conclude we're missing the boat. Where are we missing the boat? It's the Word of God. See, even though most of us have Bibles... Even though most of us say, oh, we believe the Bible's word of God. When push comes to shove, too many people really don't live like it. The great preacher Leonard Ravenhill said, one of these days, somebody's going to pick up this Bible and they're going to believe it. And when they do, they're going to change the world. A question each of us need to ask ourselves is just how much we really believe this word. I remember when um, I was a student at the Naval Postgraduate School, I was a, a member of the Gideons International, and we got a new uh, commanding officer at the Naval Postgraduate School. Um, Commander, uh, It was Admiral Shoemaker. And he was a two-star admiral, and one of the things that, that, that happened with Admiral Shoemaker was um, he had been a POW in Vietnam. And when I met him, the, uh, just a few months before I got to the Naval Postgraduate School, I read this book. Uh, the name of it was, in The Presence of Mine Enemies. You know, it's about these naval aviators and and Air Force pilots who had been shot down, who were POWs in Vietnam. And one of the things that he talks about is, is that these guys would get together whenever they could and they would, they would pull out as much scripture as they possibly could because it's what gave them meaning. It's what gave them hope. It's what, it's what made them hold on. When I met the Admiral Shoemaker, one of the things we did was we gave him a Gideon Dignitary Bible. I'll never forget what he said. He says, there was a time I would have given a million dollars for this. In fact, I asked him if uh, he knew the the author of that book, In the Presence of Nine Enemies, and uh, he said that he did. And he knows that story all too well because he experienced it himself. Around the world, you have people who are just trying to teach the Bible. And they're being persecuted for it. They have to hide their Bibles. They have to protect their Bibles. And here... We all have Bibles, but just how committed are we to what's in them? So, this is why Paul is telling Timothy to focus on his word. The ministry is about teaching his word. Let's take a look at um, 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you. What you have firmly believed. Know those who taught you. Let's take a look to find out who it was that taught Timothy. Let's take a look at Second Timothy chapter, chapter one. Let's go to verse three. And Paul says, "I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did. When I constantly remember you in my prayers, night and day, remembering your tears." I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice and now I am convinced is in you also. Now you know, When I went to seminary, you know, I had a lot of friends who were minist- who, who went into the ministry and their influence was their dad. In fact You know, when you look at John MacArthur, for example, John MacArthur is a fifth-generation preacher. I knew guys whose dads were pastors who faithfully taught the Word. But you know, there are a lot of guys who I also knew who didn't have anyone who was in the ministry, but their mother and or their grandmother Made all the difference. I have to tell you. I'm one of those. My grandmothers. Lived next door to each other. As far back as I can remember. They were such godly women. I cannot tell you the impact that they have made on my life. And let me say something to you ladies. To you mothers. To you grandmothers. You have no idea of the impact that you can have for the cause of Christ by being faithful to teach your children God's word. you have no idea the impact that you can have just by being a faithful example. My grandmothers weren't perfect, but they were perfect to me. And I thank the Lord for them. And I pray that you ladies... You ladies here will be as faithful as they were. Let's take a look at um, Second Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen. And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The importance of teaching children when they are young. You know, you you think that they're not listening. Well, I'm here to tell you that they are. There's a story about Teddy Roosevelt. When he was a small child, his folks brought him to church. And, uh, you know, he he would be in church and he'd sort of be playing around, but he'd always be listening. One Sunday, they brought him to church. And they were about to, to um, bring him into the sanctuary and he was in panic mode. His folks couldn't control him. They said, Teddy, what's wrong? He says, I don't want to go in there. And they said, why? Because of the zeal. The zeal will get me. They're like, what? The previous Sunday... Their pastor had preached on the verse that said, The zeal of of thy house has eaten me up. (laughs) Those little ears are listening, folks. And we need to be teaching them as much as we possibly can. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Let's take a quick look there. 22 verse 6 says, Teach a child when he is young, and even when he grows old, he will not depart from it. You know, they remember those Bible stories. You know, their minds are geared to memorize Scripture. teaching them as soon as we possibly can, because it will grow in them, and in, in just like it did with Timothy. He knew the Scriptures when he was young. And you have known from infancy the sacred Scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation. Through faith in Christ Jesus. Now you know. There's all kinds of books. That can give you wisdom on how to be wise with your finances. Wisdom with how to be wise in your relationships. How to be a better father. How to be a better mother. How to be a better manager. But there is only one book. That makes you wise for salvation. Folks. There is no substitute. Verse 15. Verse 16, I'm sorry. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. Some scripture... All Scripture. You know, one person asked once, well, why don't we waste our time reading the book of the Revelation? We can't understand what it means. Well, I think you can. But, do you realize it's the only book that says you will get a blessing from reading it? Every part of God's Word has been breathed in by him. The word in the Greek is theopneustos. What does that really mean? Well, it means a few things. Number one, what it means is that God's word is inerrant. What do we mean by inerrant? It's wholly true without mixture of error. Number two, it's authoritative. It is our authority. It is our rule of faith. Number three, it is sufficient. You know what? In God's Word, we find all that we need to live this Christian life. (laughs) With all that, why do we spend so much time with other things? It really doesn 't make a whole lot of sense, does it i can 't even understand myself on 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 that score but but here 's one of the other interesting things he says, and it is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. I was looking at some of what Barna had to say about pastors. A few things of interest. He says the average pastor in this country has a sense of call between the ages of 14 and 21. Yeah, you know, That's as a result of you know, having parents, in many cases, who are believers, who took them to churches. And they found those churches to be healthy environments. But here's something else. Barna notes that 49% of pastors in America have a Master's of Divinity. And 21% have some sort of doctoral degree. So, you know, education is good, but it's only so good. I started seminary as a seminary student in, in summer of 1995. And you know, uh, when I went to Southwestern, I, I remember going into the library and I'm just looking at the shelves and there's this, this one journal. It's Review of Religious Research. I'm like, what is this? So I just pick it up, start reading and there's an article. A Quiet Transformation. And it's about the changes in leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. And here's one of the things it talked about. It was saying that more and more Southern Baptist ministers were becoming educated and were becoming more professional. But here's one of the things I found in the course of that article. They found that at Southwestern Seminary, which was representative of a lot of the seminaries, that of the diploma study students, 95% of them believed in biblical inerrancy and held to miracles and the divinity of Christ. But when they got the Masters of Divinity students, that number had fallen to the 70s. And when they got the Ph.D. students, that number dropped into the 40s. So here's what's loud and clear. The more education some get, the less orthodox they are. The more education some get, the worse off they are. They move away from the word of God. They move away from what is essential for ministry. When push really comes to shove, the man of God needs to be somebody who knows the Word of God and knows the God of that Word, regardless of where he's got any degrees or no degrees. You know, um, I saw a lot of I saw a lot of these guys. They, they get a little bit of education. And they just get off the rails. I can remember teaching a number of students and warning them about this very thing. Warning them about some of the stuff that they were reading. And sadly, too many, they go off the rails. This is one of the reasons why so many churches are weak. This is one of the reasons why so many churches are anemic. This is one of the reasons why only 27% of people feel a need to share the gospel. You know, the church is in trouble because we are not Sharing the gospel I think that one of the reasons that people aren't sharing the gospel is because too many people really don't even know what the gospel is and it's because well once again they don't know the word of God Let's take a look at chapter 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you before God and Christ Jesus who's going to judge the living and the dead and because of His appearing in His kingdom. What you've got here is a commissioning. He's calling out not only Timothy, but anybody who's called to Christian ministry. And he's reminding them, He's in the presence of God, the Father, and God, the Son, who's going to judge the living and the dead. Folks, this is about serious as it gets. All too often, these guys, some of these guys who go into ministry, they just don't get it. I need to pause for just a moment to remind you, we need to be thankful here. I've known our pastor for only a few months, but I'm here to tell you, this man is faithful in teaching the Word. Amen? Amen. You need to be thankful And you need to encourage him to continue to do just what he's doing. Because you know what? We're going to see this in just a few verses. There's a lot of people who don't want to hear God's word. and we need to encourage him to continue just as he's been doing. So, in any case... He's charging Timothy before God to continue in this work. Verse 2. The word preach here is an heiress, indicative, uh, imperative, active verb. Okay, so here's what what, what you got here. You've got a command. And what he is saying here is this you keep the preaching of the word the priority. Doesn't mean you shouldn't be doing other things, but this is the priority. And one of the things he says here is he says, preach. And he tells what to preach. He tells when to preach. He tells how to preach. What is he supposed to preach? What's this word? What does this word say here? He's supposed to preach the word. I know of churches where People have told their pastor, Pastor, you're you're preaching too much of the word. I know of pastors who've been fired because they preached the word. And too many guys in the ministry are willing to oblige them. But he's telling Timothy, You preach the word. Here's something else. He says, be ready in season and out of season. In other words, you be a minute man. You be ready to go at any time. You preach when it's convenient. (laughs) You preach the word when it is not convenient. You be ready. Eternity hangs in the balance, doesn't it? When all is said and done, you want to be the guy who's known for being faithfully teaching the word. That's what every pastor should want. Sadly, not whatever every pastor wants. He says, preach the word, be ready in and out of season, and here's how you preach. Rebuke, correct, encourage with great patience and teaching. You know, um, part of the job of the pastor is to comfort the afflicted. But the other part of his job is to afflict the comfortable. And you know, um, I remember I would ask students, "Why are you in the ministry?" And occasionally, you'd get this guy saying, "Well, I'm in the ministry because I just love people." And I'd say, "Well, that's just special." because you need somebody who's going to tell you the truth even if it hurts if you love people for the wrong reason you won't tell them the truth if you tell people if you if if you love people for the wrong reason you may only tell them the kind of thing that's just going to draw them closer to you rather than what's going to help them eternally. Sometimes you need to rebuke some of those sheep. Nobody likes to be rebuked, but sometimes it's a necessary thing. We need to correct people. And we need to encourage people and here's here here's part where okay this is one of my weeks he says with great patience I wasn't always the most patient of professors I was pretty demanding you know so I had students who loved me I had students who hated me probably more who hated me But a pastor needs to be patient. Verse three. For the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine. Remember what I told you about some of these churches? Okay, so in Christian menagerie, you got three kinds of animals. You got sheep. You got goats, and you got wolves in sheep's clothing. You know how you tell them apart? You tell them apart by what they eat. You know what sheep eat? Sheep will only eat the Word of God. Goats? Goats can eat the Word of God. It's just that they prefer to eat anything else wolves in sheep's clothing? You know what they eat? Other sheep. So you have these people. They won't tolerate sound doctrine. You teach them the truth, they will fight you. You teach them the truth, they will run. They'll go someplace else. You teach them the truth, They'll do everything that they can to undermine a pastor. This is one of the reasons that a pastor has to be able to endure hardship. This is one of the reasons why a pastor needs to be patient. Because you know... How easy would it be for them to say, "I have enough of this. I don't need this any." You better believe our pastor has been here. Folks, the calling for those who are in ministry is difficult. of those who get a Master's of Divinity within 10 years are out of the ministry. 50%. Many are called, few are chosen. He says, for the time will come when... People will not tolerate sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, will multiply teachers for themselves because they have an itch to hear what they want to hear. They want anything and everything but the truth. They want everything but the word of God. They will turn away from hearing the truth, turn aside... To now, you know, I don't know everybody here. I know a lot of people here. But it's a safe bet. Not everybody here is saved. The answer for your problems... Found in God's Word. There, there was a song by Carrie Lickron, you know, the same guy who started Kansas, group Kansas. Uh, he had his first solo album was called Seeds of Change, and he had the song How Can You Live? And the words go like this. He said, Are you climbing the walls, but the walls are too high? Do you fall to the ground when you reach for the sky? Does the picture you have in your mind never turn out right? Do the things that you do leave a hole in your soul, and the best you can do is always short of the goal, and the way things are supposed to be just never is? How can you live with no- when nothing's there? Something has gone wrong inside you now. Go to the word that says it all, and everything will turn out fine. The next verse goes, Does a fly in the ointment get under your skin? Have you had quite enough? of the state that you're in. Are you living in style, but you find that it leaves you cold? And the years of your life are just wasting away. You have nothing to feel, you have nothing to say, but the emptiness in your heart is getting old. The last part goes like this. Does your social position reflect who you are? Does the face in the mirror look back from the far and the look in your eyes is of someone you don't know. And you're trying to cope with the world on your own, but you still haven't, don't know that their way has been shown. And the pathway of life is standing open wide. How can you live when nothing's there? Something is wrong inside of you now. Look to God's word that says it all, and everything will turn out fine. You know, part of that's simplistic, but so much of it is true, isn't it? If you do not know Jesus Christ today, you have no hope. If you don't know Him today, now is the time of Repentance. If you are seeking for answers, there's only one place that can answer your your questions. It's in God's Word. Maybe God's called some of you today to serve in ministry, full-time Christian ministry. If he has, hey, respond today. And if you don't know him, respond today. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness, for your loving kindness to us. Help us, Lord, to draw closer to you. Help us to love what you love. Help us to hate what you hate. Help us to glorify your name. Lord, guide us. We sing in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.